0: This podcast is based exclusively on the real-life experiences of two bisexual cis women and their internet research Sexual identity is deeply personal and influenced by intersecting identities, demographics and circumstances Rose and Annie do not speak for the bisexual experience of all individuals or the bisexual experience as a whole In short, they don't know shit. Thanks for listening wow.
1: I'm
2: Rose, and my pronouns are she and her.
1: And I'm Annie, and my pronouns are also she and her.
2: And we're here to provide some context about the bisexual experience by sharing stories, getting advice, and talking to queer people we like. Mm. We have guests today! Um, I realized we did not ask you guys uh, for your preferred like intro, so I'm going to mm-hmm.
0: wing it. Go for it. Yeah, it might sound cool.
2: familiar. Rob and Love Alex it. are the hosts of Two by Guys, a podcast about fluid sexuality, gender, masculinity, and femininity, intimacy, relationships, and more.
3: Mm. Yeah, that that's, captures it.
2: Yeah, I pulled it from your podcast description. Yeah, we <laughs> must have familiar. written
0: that somewhere. <laughs> um, yes, hi, I'm Rob. I use he, him, and
3: yeah, we host Two Bye Guys. Yeah, and I'm Alex. I also use he, him pronouns. Um yeah, and it's exciting to have two bi guys to two bi girls here. Mm-hmm. So that's cool.
2: I love it. It's like, there, I feel the bi energy yes. coming into Brooklyn. Um, So we have some questions for you yeah, guys. Yeah. I love okay. it. About, I'm ready. Annie, I don't know if you read my idea that I didn't send to you, because <sighs> I thought about it last night while I was like falling asleep in bed. Mm. She didn't read Intriguing. it either, too.
0: Mystery idea.
2: I texted you about it this morning. <laughs> I called it the newlyweds game. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, nice yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely. Okay, I don't know if we need to write it down or if we can, because it's not a visual medium, but um, <laughs> 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 I was thinking we could each think of, like, the biggest stereotype for bisexual men and then the biggest stereotype for bisexual women and then see if we all match up or if we have different perspectives on it. I'd love that. I have my answer already. (laughs) I already have my answers too. (laughs) Annie and Alex, do you need a moment to think? think No, I don't need a moment. I'm good.
1: good. Okay, let's
2: let's start with stereotypes for bisexual guys.
0: Okay. You good? Yeah. I'll stick to my answer no matter what you all say. I will too. But I think the biggest stereotype about bi guys is that they're really gay. Yes. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That it's not a thing, and that it's just a way of yes. It's say, a you don't want to say you're gay, so you say you're bi, which is yeah, very
3: much a myth and harmful. Well, because being bi is easier than being gay. True story. Oh no. yeah. Right. <laughs> Cassie. <Sarcastic>. Sorry. <laughs> very, very I don't qualify hard, but, but <laughs> I don't know if that's true at the very least. You know. Yeah. Um but yeah, absolutely. That is the biggest, well, most harmful stereotype in my opinion. hmm
2: Yeah. Annie, you said the same. I also, that would have been mine.
1: For guys? For
2: guys, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. But it's interesting it's not the same for women. It's No. no I mean, no, not at all. maybe some people would claim that, but it's not like a, it's not the first thing I think of.
3: Yeah, and like, I feel like anecdotally, I know plenty of women who kind of face that, but... I feel like it's based on many other factors than just like purely them labeling as bi. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, and actually I think, I don't know if this is the biggest stereotype or misconception for women. I'm curious your answer, but I've definitely seen it be flipped that like the misconception is that bi women are really straight. Mm -hmm. That like a little bit of flexibility or experimentation is normal within straight women's, Sexuality, yeah. but that they'll end up with a man. For you know, like it's always everything is like. Yeah, everyone want really wants well, because, to end up with
3: a man. Because women can't have like women sex with women. It's not a thing. Right? Yeah, obvious. Yes. Yeah. We've talked about this on our. Like, <laughs> the, sorry, <laughs> but I'm a very sarcastic, sarcastic <laughs> person this morning. This is not misogyny. This is this is sarcasm. <laughs> I felt um, I mean, sarcasm. <laughs> it, yeah. Yes, um, but yeah, I mean, I think. I mean, yes, we should probably, like, let the two women speak to this more so, but, like, completely, like, that's what would come to mind the most, that it's, like, this hypersexual lens that they're seeing, like, heterosexuality through that is, like, why not bring in, like, another woman to help please this guy sort of thing.
2: Yeah, my, um, Annie, you can tell me yours, but my biggest stereotype would have been that, uh, Women are doing it for the benefit of men.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. So it's together in part. Yeah. Exactly. Like it's it's aligned with that that it's like well you're ultimately mm-hmm. gonna end up with a man. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, well certainly I'm gonna end up with a person, you know maybe and maybe I'll be with that person and with other people or whatever the scenario is. But yeah. it seems weird that you should have to. If you're going to be bi, you need to end up with a certain gender or it doesn't yeah. count. Right. Yeah,
0: right. Well, that's... and the idea of just doing it for a man's benefit at all, because it's assumed they'll like it, but it but it centers your whole sexuality around pleasing a man, mm-hmm. whoever you end up with, that that's how it's thought of is yeah, very patriarchal.
1: Yeah.
2: Annie, did you was that the what was your stereotype for women?
1: Yeah, it was it was. Building off that, just thinking about, like, any time I've been confronted in the wild about my bisexuality, it's always been, like, do you want to be in my threesome? And I don't. 100% of the time, I don't.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You mean you're not going out to parties and being like, I just hope this couple approaches me and starts asking me wildly inappropriate questions about?
1: That's... It's never happened, and I don't think it's happened to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's fair then.
3: Yeah, and I think I especially, we've talked about this a little bit, Rob and I, um, but as somebody who identifies on part of the ace spectrum myself, as Demi specifically, um, that stereotype especially kind of like just offends me because it's like when I come out to like a former employee of mine who I was literally their boss, for example, at one point, that happened at one point, and or like a friend even, and then they're literally like, well, like me and my girlfriend, like there's, there's room for a third sort of thing. And it's just like what, like literally the only word they've heard to indicate that is that I was bi, Mm -hmm. Uh, right? Um, so I'm with you, Annie, that that is, I don't know, that's, that's the most offensive thing probably to me. Maybe not the most common. I think the most common is that like I'm actually gay and not you know I couldn't possibly be a straight guy on any you know given day. Yeah. Which is true. I won't ever be a straight guy, but I also won't ever be a gay guy. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Guess
2: Can you, would you mind describing um, what demisexual is? Because I've yeah. only ever read it on the internet. I've never actually
3: spoken to someone who identifies that way. Yeah. So well, so demisexuality. Um, broadly speaking, is, is an attraction romantically before an attraction sexually, so essentially needing some kind of romantic or emotional attraction in order to experience a sexual attraction with somebody. Um, for me, like, simply saying, like, simply putting it, like, it just means that I need to develop a little bit of a connection to them before I'm actually attracted to them, them physically in mm-hmm. any way. Um, so yeah, people experience it different ways entirely, and it's a Big gray area. I yeah. Think.
2: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Hopefully I'm,
3: that makes sense.
2: It to, it totally yeah. makes sense to me, and it like aligns with what I've read on the internet. But I'd always rather hear someone's like personal experience with it yeah. than I hear that. be like, I read the definition from yes. <laughs> from this yeah. Instagram this account, website. and I yes, exactly. yeah. <laughs> like yeah. now yeah. I now I know it fully. <laughs> like yeah. I fully understand <laughs> it.
3: Yeah. Cool.
2: Um, yeah. Cool. So mm-hmm. do you want to tell us a little bit about your podcast and what you talk about and how it came to be? Yeah. Maybe how you met each other and decided to podcast? Yeah. i will give you my yeah. so
3: you don't have to
2: Sure. I have no part of the
0: story. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um... story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, well, we, Alex and I met at By Request, which is like a bisexual discussion group in Manhattan at the LGBT Center. Uh, it's twice a month. You can
3: Google it and come join us. Uh,
2: we'll put the link in the show notes too. Yeah, yeah, with that's plenty it.
3: of other meetings too, drink nights. It's, it's yeah. a wide organization with, yeah. with plenty of plenty of outreach to, to all five boroughs. Yes, that's true, and it's growing and expanding. Yes. and now Very we're much on, so. Alex and, both and I of are now are. on the committee that yes.
0: helps run things. Um, so we met there. We started going pretty close to the same time. Yeah, a few months apart. Uh-huh. And now we've been going for like two years. Mm-hmm. And after about one year, we were sort of part of a group from that group that was on the show Slut Ever. They, it's like a documentary about sex positive stuff and they did an episode on bi men and we recorded that and I and then like that aired months later. But when that aired, we we looked at each other and we're like, this was really good and people are liking this and it's yeah. not stuff they've heard before. Uh, and then Carly Shortino, the host of that show went on another podcast called How Come and talked about liking that episode and how you. she didn't get to hear from like the bi-male perspective very often that there's a lot of shame and stigma about it. And we. Heard, I don't know, I heard that podcast and I was like, yeah. well, why not? We should do this. We should just talk about this. There's, there's a lot more we could talk about than the five yeah. minutes they put in that show.
3: So let's do some more. Yeah, mm-hmm. and just speaking personally, this might be not to kind of botch any TV future that I have <laughs> with my one connection with Three whatever, ever, but I actually feel like the episode was super problematic in some in some small ways. Um, you know, there was this whole section about pegging, for example, <laughs> which I I was just kind of confused about because like a woman pegging a man actually is just book. kind of by the book straight in my like I, yeah. I don't see anything mm-hmm. bisexual about that. Yeah. Um, the segment and, was cool, but it yes, what, being attached completely. to
0: bisexuality was
3: like. And well, the episode not overall was is very worthwhile, of course. Um, but also, maybe I was just bitter that fi- like two hours of discussion got cut down to five minutes, sort of <laughs> out of context. You know, all of these little petty things, maybe from my stance, um, that just made me think like I don't know. I want to talk for like twelve hours and just mm-hmm. like have like the full story there. Yeah. You know, so yeah. podcasting seemed like a good option. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, just. We just started talking about that. Um, we realized that there really wasn't a voice out there prominently anyways. and talking about these things. Um, yeah, so you guys didn't we... exist either yet because we were looking at the yes.
0: landscape of yeah. my podcast and you weren't there. And there were like a couple. There were a few mm-hmm. um, and there were even fewer bi men and yeah. masculinity stuff.
3: Um, there were plenty so. of bi episodes. Like, that's what it always right. was. It was, like, an episode to cover, like, everything you need to know. And it's, like, okay, well, like, let's hear from, like, a bi person, like, a little bit more, you know? Yeah. Um, so it seemed like a natural idea yeah. that manifested itself.
0: And mostly we've we've just been talking about bisexuality, from, like, from our perspective, from a you know, male perspective, but also not just that. And we've, I think most like seven out of our 10 episodes or maybe, yeah, had guests. Like we brought in guests. Uh, we brought in a bunch of men, but some women too who have like studied this stuff or who are queer themselves and know about this stuff. And, uh, I don't know. We're, we're like, I guess our focus is to make this to, to like, Get rid of some of the stigma for men because there's mm-hmm. a lot um but also like in general we started realizing and by request that our views about gender in general mm-hmm. as a construct are similar not identical but similar and like breaking down gender roles and norms more broadly and like once you start to do that then you're like well yeah bisexuality makes sense because why would why yeah. does that matter in mm-hmm. this context if it if we don't think it matters in many other contexts and for our own gender too, so like, you know, I think that what's happening now a lot with the younger generation is like breaking down some of those gender norms in many
3: ways, and not not just sexuality. So like, yeah. Well, and you're hinting you're hinting at it, but all, like I think what was important to us was, yes, we're two bi voices getting out there in a way that I'm not seeing bi voices get out there. But also I felt it was really important and we both did to make sure that we held like an intersectional conversation and really held like we brought plenty of people of color onto season one and, and obviously we want to make sure that those voices because like a, bi, a black bi man's experience is a, very different than our white male experiences right? Um, and I also think that part of it for me personally has been a way of showing that as bi men we have found kind of an easy path to supporting people of other identities and making sure that that support is is shown through our actions and, and bringing on those guests. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Well, and
0: we have somewhat different stories in that, like, sure. I identified
3: as straight for 30
0: years and you identified as gay first and you, mm-hmm. you're of almost a different You're – you're younger than me. So yeah. there's a little bit of a generational difference even in the last 10 years. But also we have pretty similar stories in some ways in terms of our, like, cis white relatively privileged background and so that I think makes it now that I'm out like a little easier to talk about this stuff and not worry about certain repercussions so like we want to use that platform to like make it easier for other people to to talk about different experiences yeah
2: yeah that's like sorry I've moved my microphone too much doesn't I need like a lazy (laughs) Susan to rotate it on um it's interesting because I feel like I'm a rob like I'm a little bit older than Annie and I identified as like straight with the like appropriate amount of female attraction to other women for like my yeah. whole life. And, and then and how much
1: is that, Rose? Um twelve point five. Apparently percent. quite a bit. <laughs>
2: yeah. um, but then like uh I feel like our stories kind of align, and oddly enough, the first initial of our first names also match up. Oh, Alex and right. Annie, That's and Rose and Rob. Very weird. Okay. Mm. Uh,
3: <laughs> I feel like these are spin spinoff podcasts in the making. Right? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Annie we're gonna. and I, we're gonna, we're gonna start another thing. Annie yeah, and Alex and Rose and Rob. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah something.
2: Yeah. Okay, I'm, I like it. We can rotate yeah. episodes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, What is there something with, like, bisexual swingers we can do there where it's, like, Ooh. just a, uh, you know, a play on that stereotype? <laughs> <laughs> What's the proposition? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, oh, I I've, I've found that, like, the same thing where um, you did a really good job of identifying guests and getting them on who have that intersectionality, and I really admired that and appreciated that because it's something we've struggled with, if you're out there, please, we want to talk to you. Please come <laughs> talk to us. Um, but I think y- y- y'all did an excellent job, and I commend you and thank you. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate All it.
0: Time. Yeah.
1: I wanted to ask, um, what, what was something that you learned in season one that really surprised you? Was there anything that kind of blew your minds talking to people about bisexuality?
3: I think just speaking for my for myself. I actually, I feel like at times I get very locked into my, like, for lack of a less, like, conceited way of putting it, like, my, like, woke view of bisexuality, my, like, kind of labelless version of it, where, you know, being Demi, like, definitely is my path into kind of defying all of those stereotypes and just kind of having, having a lot of angst towards what, bi- like, bisexuality is, um, kind of out there in, in media, in conversations generally. Um, but, you know, somebody, Jay Christopher was on one of our episodes who he was like a, a grand marshal for Pride at one point and has done a lot of work in, in New York. Um, and, you know, he said at one point that, like, he wants people to be viewed primarily as sexual rather than as what kind of sexual they are sort of thing. Um, and it sort of rubbed me the wrong way in the moment, actually, because I was like well, like, as somebody on the ace spectrum, like, I don't know if ace people, like, you know, I'm not even, I don't identify as asexual, I'm just kind of on that spectrum. But as somebody who doesn't experience sexual attraction, I don't know how they would feel about that. Um, But I think that I've actually gained a lot from that conversation in perspective of, like, there's not, like, a wrong, even a bisexuality that may feed into some portion of the stereotypes isn't wrong. And it's just, like, hearing, and I've heard from a lot of people who are, like hypersexual and they hook up with everyone that they come across they go to sex parties every week right um and they've expressed a lot of bitterness towards me the way that i speak about bisexuality and other people like me do because we sort of kind of like shame it, i mean it's a slut shaming kind yeah. of like uh result that ends up and you know i've found out that i i've definitely found that i've been guilty of it in the past um so yeah i think that's the biggest like lesson i've learned that one's just interesting because in a way centering
0: like everyone as sexual or on that it is almost a way of highlighting the asexual spectrum yes but it's just extent, coming sure. at it from a different way but it's sort of like hey we're all on this spectrum and we're not talking about that enough and like yeah i don't know yeah it's interesting yeah uh yeah i think one the the thing that is on my mind right now because we just did this episode and the response has been bigger than a lot of other episodes was like how many guys and women too but we've heard from so many guys who are either married or in Mm long-term relationships who are not straight and we're exploring their sexuality or still figuring out or identify as bi and like that i think so many people are going through that either alone and not even with their partner or only with their partner and not able to talk about it and like to add that layer of you're married and but you want to say this thing where everyone's going to assume you're then not monogamous and Mm -hmm. wanting threesomes and a swinger like it adds that whole other level of stigma so like that's been sort of eye-opening like just how many not just young people but people who've been married are exploring this stuff too it's yeah and yeah, yeah a lot more than i expected
1: yeah we've had a few people reach out with similar stories i was also very surprised by that i
0: mean there's no easy answer for that it's just like you both have to be on this journey of yeah learning more because we don't know a lot, most people don't know a lot about it and then like getting to some sort of acceptance and
3: come you know like deal with each other that you know, of what you're comfortable with. Yeah. Well, and as you know, I don't want to speak for Robert, and I'll just speak for myself here, obviously, but, like, both of us mm-hmm. are in relationships right now with non-bi-identifying people. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like any time a married person reaches out, like, I have found a very healthy dynamic with my partner um, who, you know, understands bisexuality, understands my frustrations with the way that like others may at times kind of see the two of us because of that um and like we work it out we like we fight those fights when we need to sort of thing right um and I think it's just harder with that married label to see this kind of conventional structure uprooted in a much larger way than like like an you know a relationship in New York City between two millennials (laughs) unmarried millennials right like there's much more path to to kind of I don't know, it, it, talking a little bit more openly without getting that shame. Whereas, like, a married man and woman who are 50 and that man's discovering that he's bi right now, like, I just, I can see how much harder that would be. And I don't pretend to understand it.
2: Agreed. And especially, like, um, if you're a hetero or hetero-presenting married couple in, like, Wisconsin, that yeah, is going to be exactly. right. way, way, way different. Like, I, I, I cannot even begin to give advice on that. And that's mm-hmm. where I'm like, I I'm, am I'm, will do some research and let you know if I find any articles that yeah. seem like maybe they're going to be helpful. Yeah. But it sounds, I haven't yeah. listened to, I think, your most recent episode, mm-hmm. um the season one finale. But is that the episode yeah. you yeah. might suggest? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Um and we and because of it, I think we want to do more on this topic for sure next season because because we only did a short segment and the response was great uh, and people and and I think something I also learned from the responses and also from talking to people is like I don't know what advice I would have to like you know move forward in a relationship and negotiate that but i have we have heard a lot that like it's so hard to come out and to break that mm-hmm. ice and to like especially in Wisconsin or whatever, like with all the stigma about that and about marriage. And if you're in a religious community or whatever, like there's so many barriers to just saying, Hey, I'm not sure if I'm straight and I still love you and like, whatever. But once people say that, at least what I've heard has been very positive. And like people are more under like partners are more understanding than you think they'll be they want to figure out, you know, how to work it out. And it's not as big a deal as most people think. And like, it's just a process of learning, but like the biggest barrier is that breaking the ice at first and just coming out. And so many people have written to us. They're like, I was not out to my wife for 10 years, 20 years more. And then I finally came out and now like we're working on it and it's great. and It's not perfect. We're figuring it out, but I'm so glad I came out and, I'm able to talk about it comfortably because once you do it you can it's a normal thing you it's a thing that you can talk about like any other thing yeah it's just that breaking the ice is so hard
2: yeah and i think it's um an assumption that a lot of folks have that like once if i come out to my partner with whom like we have this like established set of boundaries in our relationship it's like are all the boundaries then yeah. off? Like, yeah. everything's, everything's demolished? Change. And it's yeah. like, no, you get to, like, renegotiate the same way you would when you're like, hey, I'm thinking about taking this new job in another state. What do we think? Do I move to a new state? Like, do yeah. like probably right. if you're married, you're probably going with the person. <laughs> I was like, do you come with me? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that kind of thing. And it's like, well, now you're just going to be like, how do we incorporate? Do we incorporate? Or is it just, like, yeah. something that now we can right. talk about?
3: Yeah, right. Well, and... I think also, like, why is this just a bi thing anyways, right? Like, I, in my opinion, it just breaks down harmful, potentially harmful, like, boundaries that we put on a relationship in the first place. Like, I know, I do know one relationship, actually. Um, they married years ago, and she came out as bi, and she was super nervous about it, obviously, because they'd been married for a few years and had no idea how he would respond, and it turned out that he was sort of interested in opening up their relationship too mm-hmm. and it's like if she hadn't come out as bi i don't think that conversation could have any ever gone anywhere and i don't think he would have ever like that still i think trying to open up your relationship can be a harder conversation than coming out as bi mm-hmm. so to you know for some people anyways um and like that's to show there's some benefits sometimes right yeah. to just like breaking down the expectation that the two of you already have on their relationship right it brings down other expectations
0: too and you can start having other conversations more easily too
3: exactly yeah i I was
0: afraid what to what you were saying like that coming out would change everything and would like i would be a different person and like that's not what happens for most people i think and so it's if you're in a relationship it's like everything we know is not going to change we're just adding this thing it's an additional thing Mm -hmm. that we can now discuss and incorporate or not and like You know once you go through it you sort of see it that way but i get the fear of like everything's going to change it's all different completely but i don't know that doesn't always that doesn't usually pan out that way it's a it's a fear we have yeah
3: yeah
2: yeah as far as um because it's obviously like a very serious decision to come out and how to come out um I'm going to ask you guys a kind of challenging question. Do you want to give us a, like, one to two sentence coming out story and then what you would say or want to do differently? It doesn't have to actually be one to two sentences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, it can can be. I was like, I feel like I could go on for, like, four hours. Um, Yeah. But then, like, I guess the main thing, if you don't even want to share that story, because I know you you both already have on your podcast, like, Mm -hmm. what do you wish you would done differently or like would you tell yourself before when you were struggling and deciding how to come out
3: um I think it's a hard <laughs> you know, it's a hard question for me because as Rob mentioned before I identified as gay from the time I was like 15 or 16 to when I was 20 um, and when I was 20 like the buy coming out experience. Was the easiest thing in the world, honestly, in retrospect, and it's not. It is not that case for for most bi people. I see that you know. Obviously, I'm a unique scenario in that. Um, but I had already identified as gay, so just to come out as bi was really just like a quick decision I made one morning to like post something on Facebook, let all my friends know. Everybody was cool because I was already like amongst this queer world. Um, so I feel like the the what that question kind of points more back to is the fact that I labeled as gay in the first place and wishing that I had when, like, when bisexuality was mentioned, just kind of, like, actually, like, looked into it a little bit more and, like, actually get kind of, yeah, I, I guess it's not really something I could have done differently, but something I wish was there, and it's just more by awareness because I was never really gay in retrospect, you know, um, the same way you know, a currently bi or gay identified man can like look back and see their straight identifying man having man, like crushes on men, sort of thing. Uh-huh. Like I had the same thing on women, and I just, due to that same stereotype we pointed out near the top of the conversation about the assumption that bi men are or bi men are gay, I did that to myself and just kind of put myself in a gay box, and and other people did too. Um, so yeah, doesn't really answer the question, but but I feel like it kind of loops all of those things into one that like that needed to be different.
0: Mm Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, I, I mean, I identified as straight for most of my life and dated women exclusively like through college and into my twenties. And then I started exploring my attractions toward men. when I was 29 and I remember that because I remember thinking, I don't want to turn 30 without (laughs) exploring this. (laughs) Uh, arbitrary marker that helped push me to not procrastinate longer uh and but then i didn't come out to like a you know for a couple of years age 32 maybe was when i started going to buy request and like i guess my my initial thought when you said what would you tell yourself or do differently was like i wish i would realized it sooner and i wish i had like been okay yeah. with it sooner but not but then i'm like doing a double take on that because i'm like you know what there was a little bit of tension and like ho- like internalized homophobia and and tough times when I was starting to explore it but couldn't talk about it. Like that was a difficult period. But until then, I felt pretty comfortable with what I was doing and I didn't like harbor these secret feelings my whole life. Like they sort of developed and in a way like, they developed at whatever rate they were going to develop. And I got tuned into them at the time I did. And and then I struggled a little and then I came out and like, I think actually what I would tell myself now is like, there's no timetable and you don't have to rush anything. And like, if you come out later, that's fine. It doesn't mean you didn't, it doesn't mean you like repressed stuff for that long. Like everyone's different. You might've repressed stuff or not for however long you did. And like, so now I'm kind of like, when I was 32 coming out, I was like, I should have done this sooner. But now I'm like, no, that was the fine time to do it and like, enjoy it, just enjoy it now and like, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what I'd tell myself.
3: <laughs> yeah, I hear that.
2: Yeah, I like that. I think I think both of those make a lot of sense to me, and I can like find things that I'm like, oh
1: yeah, that's
0: like
2: very, mm. very true to my experience at least.
0: Like the age 29? Yeah, I was also 29
2: when I was like, oh, I think start
1: doing this. If you're out there
0: and you're 29 and you're it's straight,
1: and you, and you <laughs> might
0: think about not being straight. Um,
2: sorry, I'm just looking at I'm not like, okay, I'm going to start texting now. <laughs> um,
1: I wanted to ask, I know one thing we've explored a little on our show is uh, how having queer representation in the media can kind of help queer people feel more seen and more able to come out. Um, And I wanted to know if there's any characters from TV or movies that you think are pretty good representations of, of what it's like to be bisexual. Or books, podcasts.
3: I do have a podcast one. Um, oh, ours. Oh, ours. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I'm We're not being characters. Dumb. We're um, real people. No, but I don't know. It's, these are the only con- podcasts I listen to. Not like <laughs> fictional. Um, I will say just before we dig into that, that like I just want to kind of drop like my latest insight into this whole media conversation that mm-hmm. sort of like just like a game I play at this point that whenever I'm watching something, whenever I'm even reading something, and there's like no deliberate mention of their sexuality i do assume that they're potentially bi at this point because it's 2020 like it is like every character mm-hmm. could be bi at any given point right yeah. um and especially i was just like reading a book that like had some weird kind of homoerotic things between these two women and then it was a relationship between her her and the brother of this the other woman sort of thing um and like you know what that character's bi the char- and the the author didn't say it or anything like that but I think that increasingly, as bi people, at least, if we can start to kind of like shift towards that, and also like expect that at times it's going to be mentioned as as bisexual and you know bisexual characters. Um, I don't know. It's just like it may, maybe it just makes me feel better to like see now that ninety percent of the characters I see are bi, um, or at least potentially. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's my yeah, that's my two yeah. cents.
0: Well, also just before I get to my things too, it, in general, I think. specific bi representation is important and is increasing now, but there were so many characters I saw growing up who Mm -hmm. were queer and maybe could have been bi but were labeled gay. Yeah, exactly. Or or there were actual gay, there was gay representation and I didn't identify with with that. And so I felt like this sort of push-pull of like, I kind of like that, but but I'm not gay. Like, I still like women and I want to have relationships with women and that character doesn't and is very clearly sometimes misogynist there was sometimes a lot of misogyny in gay storylines especially in like comedies uh and there's a lot of like ew boobs are gross and i like didn't mm-hmm. identify with that so i didn't see anything for me that was represented so like the specific bi representation is necessary yeah completely. um there were i guess i'll go there were yeah go ahead there it. were two Things that come to mind immediately that bo- I think were both good representation and happened at a time when I really needed it and when I was in that phase of exploring stuff but not out yet. And one of them was Game of Thrones, which was mm-hmm. Prince Oberyn Martel. And uh, may he rest in peace. Spoilers are allowed now, I think. <laughs> uh, he, and because when he was introduced, like, they didn't use the word by, but it was very sexualized, which for me was okay. And I liked it. And like, he was with this woman in a brothel, but also like seducing the male owner of the brothel. And like, what was cool about it for me was that he was portrayed as like this awesome, badass, cool character that hmm. everyone sort of looked up to and respected. And also that the woman he was with, who was his primary partner, was very into his bisexuality. That was really like validating and cool. And I was like, oh, you could you could have both. Uh, and in his case, at the same time, not in everyone's case, not necessarily at the same time or in the same way. But you know, for me, at the same time, that was kind of cool too. Uh, and then and so that was a big one. And then the other one was Brooklyn Nine Nine. Rosa, female character, but I identified with it so much and everything she said about it really resonated about not wanting things to change and, like, exploring it later in life. And she used the word bi when she came out, and I remember crying during that episode because I had never heard the word explicitly, I don't think, until then, mm. in, a, like, a mainstream show.
1: Yeah, it's funny the the lengths that shows will go to to avoid saying bisexual. Like, they will start over-sexualizing a character, like over in Martel, so that they they're like he's bi, get it? But we're not gonna say the word. But you get it, right? It's just it's ridiculous in some cases. Yeah,
3: and that would be fine if like there were enough there was enough mention of the word like up front, right? Like we don't need to mention the word straight or gay when we see characters on there, for example. But like the point is that bi people are behind the eight ball here, right? Like we we just you know there needs to be some kind of widespread use of the term so that it's it's just paid direct attention. Yeah, I'm with you.
2: I wonder if that's like in the 90s, there's like a, a rush of like, like popular television shows that are like, and this is the gay character. Does yeah, everybody mm-hmm. know how gay this character yeah, is? Yeah. Like, I feel like that For might what? just be a push that like media requires to be like, these are the bi characters. They're all yeah. bi. We're saying they're yeah. bi. Look how bi they are. And then yeah, eventually mm-hmm. it can just be like, okay, cool, like, you see that they're dating yeah, exactly. people of all sorts of genders, like, yeah. now we know yeah. what that means. Exactly. I, th- I think
0: we're in that phase now of, like, we need specific by, and you need to say the word, and, like, yeah. and that may be a hump we need to get over, which is cool, and I do think we may move more towards a landscape where it's assumed, like you said, that the yeah. assumption yeah. is people could be fluid unless they identify as straight. Yeah. That's the
3: world I would like to live in. Yeah. so
0: less creative yeah, on television.
3: It- and there's, like, a... It's a terrible show, in my opinion, but The 100 happened. It's, like, this show with a bunch of, like, young... Like, teenagers, young adults sort of thing, and, like, the the lead character is a, is a girl, um, and she has, like, this major, like, connection with a guy through the first two seasons, and then at a certain point, it just kind of, like, just gets dropped here and there sort of thing, and that, that she has connections to women, and then she has a relationship with a woman. Um, and, like... When I was watching that, even I was like so glad to see it, um, even on this crappy like sci-fi TV show, right? Like, um, but at the same time, I was like, why wasn't it in from the start? Like a little bit more, or or why can't there be that show where it's it's just part of their character from the beginning? We say it out loud, you know, all of that. Um, I will say that one one place where I've seen it very much so said straightforwardly out loud at the top of the show. Um, also very trashy. Um, <laughs> it was this the, the reality dating yeah. show called yeah. Are You the One? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if yeah, I yeah. don't know. You watched a little bit of it I know. Um, I but love they it. the most recent season it's it's basically this like nonsense dating show where a bunch of people are out there and have to find their perfect match of the, the pool of people out there. Um, but the most recent one was sixteen sexually fluid people out there. And it included Two trans um, person, certain trans people, one trans masculine and one non-binary. Um, so it was also a little bit more gender inclusive, which was really nice to see. Um, but right at the top, these were all bi people, and we're seeing sixteen. And with those sixteen, you got to see a lot of diversity within bisexuality, basically. Um, and while it was a little bit more towards the hypersexual lens because sex sells in, on TV. Um, you know, it was like a real conversation that even though it was airing on MTV, like, I just, like, I want the people who watch MTV to have exposure to this, you know, in the same way that I have exposure to it for, like, reading, you know, a Robin Oaks text, you
0: know? I think Are You The One did so much good for by awareness and representation, even though it is this, like, you know, silly dating show and it's, like, it is what it is. It's MTV. It's, like, you know, not everyone's watching HBO, and that'll that'll get the New York Times to write up mm-hmm. an article about how bisexuality is growing in media. But like, so many people watch MTV, and so many young people watch it, and like, just seeing a whole show where everyone's fluid and it's not like a thing. It's just like yeah. the way the show is, and you and you just accept it the yeah. second it comes on and you watch it. Like, that just changes your whole perception or or molds it in a different way than like having one character come out
3: on yeah. season five yeah so it's literally just like a point like the first episode kind of taught and like talks about it in a little bit of a preachy way and then it's just like a bi-utopia like of 16 people <laughs> right like it's yeah. like bi-paradise sort of thing <laughs> where it is the assumption because we know everybody is right yeah. like yeah, want to go there. universal bisexuality. I'm preaching for it every day. <laughs> this know? is our audition tape
2: for the next bi season. Are you the one?
3: <laughs> we are. We are really helping on the PR team. <laughs> like PR teams on quite a few things right now. But, yeah, I would go on that show if they're listening. I would. Yeah, reach out to me. Some sort of dot queer. I'm ready.
1: That's a. I was. I. I saw. I had a friend who was talking about that show. And then I, like, looked it up on Instagram and sent Rose a message about it. And I was like, do you think this is good or do you think it's trash? Because it's MTV. Like, I don't know. What if they're just making fun of five people the whole time? What if it's a prank? But I'm, I'm glad to hear it was good.
0: You know, they didn't make yeah. fun of bi people. but I, no. But I do think it's both good and trashy. Okay. like yeah but completely. like but like you need by representation everywhere in the yes. pr- in the prestige tv and in the right. trashy guilty pleasure tv yeah, so yeah, in yeah, that yeah. way it's still good like i am mean, yeah. it's totally and I think
3: trashy it, i think it says something that we can finally put it in our trashy tv too mm-hmm. like that's that's not step one ever right like that means we're not on step one anymore right to me right it's still frustrating that we're still sort of hung up on steps one two and three all at the same time here um from my perspective, but yeah, I think it's it shows a lot of promise going forward, even though it like suffered hugely in ratings. Which it did, yeah. Oh, that's sad. yeah, they lost it was like a third of the amount of viewers of oh, the previous season. That's sad because biphobia, <laughs> yeah, oh, know, so no. that's it. Yeah, that's, biphobia. I feel like mm. if I
2: didn't understand bisexuality at all and I just had like my loose assumptions, I'd be like. This is at least going to be really good drama because there's potential for every. Like, there's so many more combinations that can happen. Right. Yeah. Well, it
0: was. It was. There was that.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I I think we got to watch it. That's
3: why it was great. (laughs) Yeah. It's worth it. You know, boost those numbers in retrospect or something. You know, people get out and watch it. Yeah. Can become like a cult classic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We will look back and we will honor the sixth season or whatever season it is of Are You the One as, like, a landmark moment in TV history.
0: Well, I've never seen the other seasons, but I can't even imagine now, like, so when the guys are talking to each other about who their female match might be, mm-hmm. they're not also flirting with each other? Like, they're just they're just, t- they're just yeah. talking? Yeah, it's That's straight- so weird. I did watch, There's like, two episodes. That extra layer of all constant flirting is what made yes. it so great.
3: Yeah, I watched, like, two episodes of the straight one, and it's, like, I don't know. One, it's just, like, toxic masculinity. Mm like to the utmost um but yeah it's not fun like it's just dumb and and very simple you know yeah you need bisexuality and everything to just kind of bring it up a notch yeah. <laughs> that's kind of the lesson learned here
2: totally agree let's yeah. let's just paint everything with the pink purple blue brush
3: anybody who works in tv movies any like sort of entertainment You just need more bisexuality in it if your ratings are suffering.
2: Yeah, I think so too, Rob. Actually, the evidence shows the opposite, but we're (laughs) not going to reach that. Okay. I was going to say, Rob, you work Mm -hmm. in TV. Do you have any insight into like how, like probably not specifically bisexuality, but how? And you could be like, no, that's not what I do. Um, <laughs> but like how bisexuality or sexuality in general is like talked about and decided in the writers' room, because I do feel like there needs to be a point where either you're assuming all your characters are bi from the offset, or yeah. you're like, yeah, this, okay, oh yeah. we're gonna decide this person is identifying yeah. this way, and here's how we're gonna do it.
0: Yeah, I mean, the truth is, I don't have that much experience in a room while like doing this explicitly because I left Law and Order about a year and a half ago. And I had just started coming out to my friends at that time, and I was not out at work. So there was never a point where I was there where I was like, I want to tell bi stories because I'm bi and I know what that's like. So we didn't, we, we had queer stories on, um, a lot of them that came from the news, but uh, I never, I, we, we never actually did bi representation explicitly while I was there. And it's tough. I think what you said about are you the one is disappointing and also makes people afraid that that will happen, that like they will lose ratings because it's less understandable maybe or like you have to take the time to explain it or I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I'm sure there's people who are homophobic and just don't want to watch. It's not just by, but any queer representation, they will turn it off. And I hope that that's changing. But I do think, mm-hmm. like, for MTV or for, like, mainstream network broad appeal shows, uh, it's it's a challenge. Um, so I don't know. Like, I'm trying to do that in my own writing now. The stuff that I'm working on is have, like, the assumption be that people could be bi and to have explicitly bi characters also and yeah. try to get that out there. Um, but I think you... what. I think you kind of need authentic voices in the writer's room. Like, I think had I been able to say I want to do a bi character because I'm bi, maybe we might have done it. Whereas, like, it's hard to do that without a bi writer in the room um, to make it authentic. And, like... <laughs> My cat
2: is purring so loudly, so like, cute. right next to It time. might have picked up on that.
0: <laughs> that wasn't me um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think I think it's tough, but but that's why it's important to have diverse writers rooms um, and to like have have that story be able to be authentically told. Um,
2: yeah. yeah. <laughs> I tried to put him in the other room, and he's right back. But <laughs> I agree with all of that. Sorry, I got Does distracted by, by my cat. What, I, I think. Yeah. yeah. I think yes
0: i think it's
3: happening more like it's gonna start happening more and more and we're sort of at a tipping point Um, well and and, like think about like shows like transparent for example which are literally centered on the lgbt community entirely like right right? like without lgbt acceptance on any level that show couldn't exist right like i feel like bisexuality is is just kind of has a little bit further to go and then like the ratings won't suffer right like it's And also, rating suffering because you're pulling heterosexuality out and replacing bisex, like that's not gonna shock anybody, right? Like I, I don't think that. Well, we're in a we're bit. We're used of, to seeing straight people.
0: Yeah, although I do think we're in a little bit of a fragmented media landscape right now, where like so transparent or like the bisexual on Hulu, mm-hmm. like those can exist and find their audience, yeah, because of what they're about, yeah. And then the but then you have MTV or whatever, whereas is appealing broadly across the country and and that is like you already have viewers built in and then you're introducing this topic to them so it's a little bit different i think there's so much opportunity now to do something niche that's about stuff like this yeah it will find an audience and that's being proven and there's more and more stuff but the the more challenging thing is to get this content normalized in a network Show so yeah. that already exists.
3: Well, and I think that piece and part of that is like the one hundred having like that main character suddenly be bi on, in season three and like trick everybody into just accepting it. Like, right? Um, you really like it might be an unpopular opinion just because sometimes we don't like when it's kind of like hidden there. But at the same time, I feel like that's the starting point, and that's that's kind of the main way to push at this point um, towards bi representation. Yeah, okay. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I think that's. Um, like, I, that makes me think of like atypical. I don't uh-huh. know mm-hmm. if either of you have watched it, but like, yeah. you watch mm-hmm. the first two seasons, and if you're like plugged into queerness at all, you identify. I don't want to give anybody spoilers, but maybe I'll just put a note in the show notes. But like, the sister, if I feel like if you're queer watching it, you're yeah. like, she's a queer character. She's
3: completely
2: dating a man. And like, I feel like when I watched it, I was like, oh, it kind of sucks that they're like, Just like she's such a clearly queer character who's gonna then date a man, and then that story progresses, and you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, interesting. Yeah. Like I think that's that's done very well, and such good storytelling that if you're watching that show and you maybe are watching it and you're just like, oh, like she's kind of a tomboy, interesting, Mm -hmm. and now she's dating this guy, great, good for her, and then you're like, oh wait, now she has this really intimate friendship like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that starts to develop in a certain way that it could yeah. like kind of expose you to that like like a real experience of like a 15 year old figuring out where like how yes.
3: they identify and yeah. how they well feel. and i think it, i think it's really important to realize that like if bisexuality was represented and accepted in the same way that heterosexuality was then I don't think anybody would have an issue with that story whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think it's only because we are behind, you know, right. the time here, and, you know, we're we're just, you know, we're running behind as as bi people. Um, that like in the end, like ten years from now, hopefully where things are a little bit more equal, I wanna see more of that. Like that's what I wanna right. see. I don't wanna see this like heightened focus on the fact that they're by at that right. point, right? Um so I feel like in retrospect Like and the only way is just having all these pieces, right? All these different kind of interpretations of of bi representation. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah, that makes sense. It's like right now we're in this moment, as you said, like where we need to push for bi representation to like make it accepted. Mm -hmm. But like the goal, and I think where we will be in not that many years, is just like shows where there's no assumption made. Yeah. And that anything is possible. And because that's what I think, like, young people are growing up with more. Yes. And exactly. so you well, won't like, need to say, this character is bi now. You just, yeah. all those possibilities will be open, and that's will be the world of the show, and it will reflect the world of young people.
3: Yeah, and that's the experience we want put on by people in real life. Like, we don't yeah. want right. this heightened, like, you have to, like, figure out, like, oh, I'm bi, and now right. everything gets uprooted, and I'm bi forever to everybody I know. It's like... No, you, we just want, like, that to be a possibility, like, fluidity, open, like, right, yeah, right. an open door to queerness, right? Rosa and,
0: coming out on Brooklyn Nine-Nine mm-hmm. is this, like, it reflects the way bi people have to function in the world now, where, like, you have to come yeah. out, even in your 30s, like, and it's a big thing, even if you don't want it to be, But that, but hopefully, like, that landscape will mm-hmm. change for real people and in the show.
2: I also just think it's cool like we're able to have this conversation probably like five years
3: ago we'd be like
2: that one character who yeah. I'm mm-hmm. reading is yeah. by." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah.
3: Um, it's true. There's a lot more lately. Yeah. I will plug a book briefly before we move on from this that um, it's going to sound terrible because like I'm just thinking like by ha- like by characters with happy endings sort of thing and like when is that ever a thing and like we've talked about a few here um, but in terms of books there's there's a book and like I said it's gonna sound sound terrible but it's called they both die in the end, so like, is it a happy ending like? <laughs> Spoiler. I mean like not <laughs> like not on paper right? <laughs> um, yeah, because like plot twist the character dies, um, but it is it's a bi character and a bi man and a and a gay man. It's actually like a YA, like new adult if you care about that term book where it's kind of like, 18-year-olds, 20-year-olds, sort of in that range. Um, but it's a really great, like, look from a, a queer writer at two queer men who are living very different queer experiences. Um, one is white, the other is, like, Hispanic, I believe, too. So it's, it's like, a very intersectional uh, approach to to showing a relationship. And, like, you know what? Like, he gets a happy ending in there. And I don't know. Hopefully we see... Books are hard because I, I feel like... People are—it's so much of a chore to get people to like want to read a book in this day and age, sort of thing. That I think people are essentially like afraid even more to incorporate a bi character as the focal point of a book, sort of thing. But quick plug: Adam Silvera—they both die in the end. It's definitely worth, you know, a quick dip.
2: I will definitely be checking that out. Um, we had a listener actually write in and ask that question. Hmm. So this might be a perfect opportunity to ask some other listener questions. Ooh, sure, yeah. um, Annie, do you want to start? Or do you want me to start?
1: I can start. Uh, so this listener asked um, question for two by guys. I'm coming out as bi very recently. My biggest struggle is what others will perceive my masculinity as. When you came out, did others see you as less manly? Uh, or less of a man, did it affect your own view of your manliness or masculinity? Um, I'm going from straight to bi.
0: Well, that's, that was the, I mean, I went from straight to bi, I guess also. And like, that, I had that same fear. I definitely, Mm definitely feared that. And I guess I do think like from other, the perspective of other straight men, that is a thing, like, like being straight is perceived as of as masculine and being not straight is less is perceived less masculine. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there, so yes, like it's a, it's a fear I had and it's a legitimate fear. Like people may look at you differently, but I think then maybe going into the queer community and actually coming out and being there, I then developed a new sense of what masculinity is. And I eventually like came around to this newfound confidence that like not that confidence and masculinity are related but like the confidence replaced the need to feel masculine in a specific way so like i guess i just got kind of comfortable with not needing to fall on a conventional masculine scale like i didn't care about that stuff anymore
3: and like yeah yeah i don't know (laughs) And speaking, I was gay and then identified as straight, as we said before, Um, and I always am kind of hung up on the the fact that when I came out as gay, I was very worried about being perceived as less masculine um, because masculinity matters to a 16-year-old kid, Um, and but what's what's odd is the same exact feeling like I, I think I went through that whole journey of kind of accepting that I was less than perfectly masculine sort of thing any from from stereotypical standards anyways. Um, and then when I came out as bi, I was worried about it in an entirely different way, specifically towards my relationships with women, um, because I ha- especially because I had identified as gay and I had already sacrificed all masculinity at that point. Right. Like I, I couldn't possibly be. Um, so I think then I went through kind of the whole journey again. So I think what frustrates me sometimes actually, and I think this question kind of captures it, is that people forget that gay men, of course, kind of suffer that lack of masculinity from, from uh, societal standards. But I feel like bi people experience it, and bi men experience it the exact same way. Because there is, because bi men are assumed to be gay, right? Um, just like we talked about before. And yeah, like Rob, like I don't care. Like I, right. I just don't care at this point. Um but that's hard. Like that's not that's not as simple as being like masculinity doesn't matter, right? But it doesn't. Like what does masculinity actually right. warrant from anybody? Like I, I don't know right. why I mean it's it's just ingrained in patriarchy that we ever put all all this like yeah, all this pressure on being masculine.
0: Right, right and it's it's a very complicated question because like what is masculinity anyway mm-hmm. and like why is it an ideal sort of thing that men should be and like I think coming out and realizing I'm biased sort of helped me interrogate like what that question what is masculinity and like which parts of it do I like and do I enjoy being part of and having People identify me that way. And then which parts do I not like and are toxic? And because like, there's a lot of toxic masculinity. So, so I now have this new relationship with masculinity of like, you know, taking the parts that I like and, and not having to feel pressure to conform to the parts I don't. So, so yes, in a way, like I have lost some of the traditionally masculine things that I used to hold on to. So some people may perceive me as less masculine, but I'm now much happier in the, the type of masculinity that I, you know, embrace. Yeah.
3: Uh, well, and like, what is masculinity if it isn't that which men do like, right? Like, right. Or, or that which men are right. So I don't know the, the term masculinity and femininity, like frustrate me in the first place because like they are so arbitrary. Um, is, and, you yeah. know, there is pushback, but I honestly feel like the best way, like, I fought pushback from my brothers, for example. I have two brothers, like, I I don't even think they would ever say that they treated me in a homophobic sort of way or anything like that. But, like, there were little things, and I don't blame them for those things, because they're straight guys. <laughs> like, they're straight <laughs> cis guys. Like, it's what I expected. Um, but I think, like, when you come out as bi or even as gay, just because it's sort of the same conversation here, um, like, the most important thing is, is just, like, stressing to those you feel like you're not getting that acceptance from, that, like, that masculinity is a sham anyways, right, and that, that, like, bring out their lack of masculinity, if you're talking to men, right, like, because no man is perfectly masculine, and that's the reality, right, even if they look at it, like, or at least they shouldn't want to be, like, perfectly masculine, (laughs) because it sounds like a horrible life, like, I don't know, like horribly self-destructive. I don't know. Yeah, that's my take. yeah
2: Yeah, I think too. Uh, at least in my experience, like by starting to explore and like own my own bisexuality, I was mm-hmm. like, you're naturally diving into this queer community and like queer materials, and so you're yeah. much more likely to start getting exposure to like oh these like when you use the term masculine or feminine here's what you're really saying like often like try to think of the actual adjective that you're using and Mm -hmm. that kind of like am i saying that person's like very brave or outspoken or am i trying to say Mm -hmm. that they're like sensitive and like deeply empathetic like yeah yeah that kind of exploration i feel like just happens naturally and you start to deconstruct this World that you've been raised in, yeah, yeah, or
0: or it's a lot. I think people just think about looks a lot as Mm -hmm. masculine and feminine, and like once you enter the queer community and you start to meet people, you're like, oh, looks that people are on a very big spectrum, and like how you present really has very little to do with who you want to have sex with. Yeah, because like I've seen, you know, you've seen everything now of like things you wouldn't expect to have seen with a traditional view of what masculinity is and femininity. Annie,
2: did you have something to say? I noticed you unmuted. I just want to double check.
1: Um, No, no. I was just going to add that I, I, it's funny, when I was coming out, I think I was worried about presenting as too masculine. I was really worried that my relationships with like female friends was going to change or they wouldn't be able to make friends with other women because they would think that it was like there was always a sexual undercurrent. Um, that was like a big hang up of mine. Also, totally unfounded. <laughs> never, never came to pass. Um, so I don't know. My, my advice. To this listener would be i mean it is what you make it i yep. agree
3: well and also like if this person is between the ages of 18 and 25 for example like there's studies that show that fifth, around 50 percent of people people in that age range are queer are, are not straight and it's like i honestly feel like we collectively are kind of combating this just by showing ourselves in higher numbers and like, that's why I never pressure any individual to come out, but the idea that people are coming out more and more often I think is super important. Mm-hmm. And anybody who does feel secure and privileged enough to, like, can do a bit of service in that moment by just being another voice and another voice. Um, yeah. Which, like, sucks because that's a lot of weight to put on that person. And, and like I said, it's, it's just too much weight, in my opinion, especially on, in that kind of critical moment. Um, but, yeah it's a it's a complex question that's kind of a like a, a community like solution
2: it's it's actually interesting because um someone else wrote in and asked uh i'm gonna i'm gonna paraphrase it uh but they're asking if they should come out um as a bisexual man who's heteroromantic, mm-hmm. wondering mm-hmm. if their private sex life with dudes is t m i that part's not paraphrased um <laughs> and also just like general advice for existing if you're heteroromantic but bisexual um i think that kind of is like aligned with what you're saying like is do you speak up because it's like giving visibility to this platform or do you stay quiet
3: yeah and i mean i think this is an entirely personal decision with all kinds of different options for you that are all right um first off but Mm -hmm. like for me personally like i don't I mean, it's hard because, like, for me personally, like, I, I'm on that ace spectrum, like, my sex life is, like, pretty private, generally, and, like, I'm not, I don't know, I'm, I'd call me a prude sort of thing, like, that's not something I talk very, you know, even on our podcast, like, that's as much as I've ever talked about my sex life, really, um, so I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with not wanting to, to share this part of you that is, is kind of the only way that you experience your bisexuality, if, if that's you, right, um, but I also think that, like, you, sh- like, ideally, I think you owe it to yourself to have some kind of acceptance amongst, like, people, like your partner, if you have a partner, for example, like, or or close friends, just that, like, the second something feels like it's being hidden from the world, then it becomes just, like, toxic, right? Like, yeah. in- <laughs> internally. Yeah. And if you can go have a hookup and feel good afterwards and, and not tell anybody about it, right? Like, that's that's fine. like i don't really see any benefit to to kind of adding the additional pressure to telling people about these hookups that you might be having right um so it's kind of all about the way like how big a presence that is in your mindset when you're encountering other people maybe
0: yeah i I totally agree with that i'll rephrase it but that's exactly what i would say because like when i came when i started exploring and came out like that was me too this person who asked the question like Mm -hmm. i thought that I was uh, only romantic, but bisexual and it was like a sexual fantasy or something. And like, then the more I explored it, the, I started to realize that it was all sort of fluid and I started changing my romantic interest too. But uh, I do think, like you said, there's no reason you have to come out, um, especially if like you're still figuring that out and like, if, you, if you're cool with it being something you do on your own and you don't want to share it yet because you still only want to date people, date people in heterosexual relationships, that's fine. However, like, I do... What was I going to say? I do...
1: <laughs> I lost my train of thought.
0: No, I do... Th- oh, I do think, though, you're still keeping this secret, right? And And yeah. there's also no reason why there should be any stigma or shame to talking about who you like to have sex with. That some, actually some responses I got from some people when I came out were like, why are you sharing sex stuff? If it's only sex stuff, why do you need to be sharing it? And my, and for me it was like, well, I don't want to answer that question. I want to ask why not? Like, why is yeah. this something that we feel we should hide? And not just bisexual sex or, you know, sex with people of the same gender, Like, why is sex taboo Mm -hmm. for so many people in so many ways? Like, we could be fighting that. Like, you know, so I don't think you need to, but I do think it can be toxic internally the more you're having thoughts or experiences that you feel you can't discuss. And, like, when you interrogate, why don't I want to tell people that, it often has to do with stigma and shame and, like, negative feelings and, you know... It, it's a lot to overcome that hurdle and it's not easy and i don't think anyone has to do it but like there's real you know why, why do we hold these things inside there's really no good reason and hopefully like collectively we can change
3: that yeah well and i think to follow up after that too is i always get frustrated with the fact that like just by talking about sexuality we aren't actually talking about sex necessarily mm-hmm. right like When somebody says they're straight, they're not talking about how many... Like, the women they're sleeping with, like, if if they're a man, right? It's only when we're talking about queer people that it suddenly becomes about sex, right? And, you know, that's, that's another, like, super hard problem to solve on our own, obviously. But to realize that you don't have to, like, talk about your hookups or your sex life, really, to be able to say that you might be bi or you might be gay, right? Like, that shouldn't really be two pieces of... Of the same answer um you know if you feel comfortable talking like if you're with friends and you want to talk about people you have sex with like that's a thing but being able to like check out a person in a bar is also part of your sexuality and that's yeah. not hyper like this that isn't this hypersexual lens that we're viewing it through um we just kind of morph it into that when we talk about bisexuality
0: also can i make one other point about yeah. that is like I think, especially among men, the the group of people like this person who submitted the question who are bisexual but leaning hetero-romantic and maybe want to marry a woman, I think that's a very, very large group. And I think mm-hmm. it's much larger than we think. And I think when we talk about bi people not being out, and especially bi men, are even yeah. less out than bi women, I think this group of bi men is even less out than most bi men. Like, that yeah. this is... The hardest group to be in and come out as bi yeah. and that leads to a culture where we don't think this exists and I actually think it exists in huge huge yeah. numbers and like when we look at other societies in the past like the Greeks or whatever or the Romans are, mm-hmm. I don't know who I'm thinking of but like we've seen this on a large cultural scale where yeah. men and women got married but men were also having sex with other men at the same time and that was not a few people it was culturally accepted and so I think like no one should have to come out and talk about things in on an individual level until they're ready but on a societal level like this is I think is one of the most individual I- invisible groups of people um, and so I do think we should be working toward w- fewer barriers to talking about that.
3: yeah well and I think that's the problem with I think there's a certain, like form of bisexuality that we all assume or at least non-bi identified people assume and people forget that it's a huge umbrella that includes people like this this person who might identify as straight right like this person doesn't necessarily need to identify as bi just for the practical sake of it necessarily um you know it's up to the individual like i i think i i know people on either end of that right who identify as bi identify as straight or identify as bisexual but heteron romantic and kind of make that apparent um but I think the second we start to forget that bisexuality doesn't have to be sexual and romantic attraction to men women and all other genders right like then I feel like we're being doing a disservice to each other if we erase it in that way yeah I'm not about policing labels that's what I'm saying
2: I thought those were great answers you guys covered it all
3: cool
0: perfect (laughs) All
1: there is to say on the matter. <laughs> that is
0: the definitive answer.
1: Yeah, I have nothing to add. <laughs> this was great. Um, One other listener wanted to know what it's like doing research for your podcast. So, so area day. What's, what's your research process like? No, <laughs> no we yeah. do research.
3: No, it's like, <laughs> well, it's interesting because I, I actually feel like we did so much research in advance for our own purposes yeah that then research because i think we all both have like a shelf or a stack of books that are about bisexuality and and kind of all kinds of of lenses through which they're speaking about it right um some academics some less so right um but i think at the end of the day like every episode we sort of just like found the resources and kind of re you know and took a took a look again at the resources that we thought were applicable to it but yeah. it was sort of easy just because we had already been doing the research for ourselves before that right yeah a lot of that
0: research was what prompted the podcast in the first place which yes, was how exactly. invisible bi men are and bisexuality is in general how people are less likely to come out How so in that first episode where we, we like kind of were justifying the reasons for doing this we mm-hmm. used all of that research and it keeps coming up again and again and then like majority of our episodes are with a guest so like our research ends up being looking into the work they've done and the ideas they've put out and then just figuring out how to ask them about it in a productive way
3: yeah completely yeah yeah we're essentially doing our research in real time when we have a guest on right like in in part you know a specific kind of research
0: yeah we're we're a little less research than you guys because i've listened to episodes you do where you have like you've actually come in with with stuff, and I'm very impressed. I'm like, oh, we didn't look at the history of this thing. <laughs> we yeah. just like, started talking about it. It's which just is Google. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good. You know, there's there is a lot of history of bisexuality that is pretty invisible unless you Google it. Like it doesn't yep. come up if yep. you know out of the blue. A lot so. of this
1: stuff. I mean, I don't know. It's not just Google. I disagree, Rose. I got deep. I got deep in some of those texts. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, I have like read research papers for the podcast, so I guess. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um,
2: we have like another really deep and intellectual question from a fan, which is: Have you two ever dated? You one hundred percent don't <laughs> yeah. have to answer the question. <laughs> it was just asked, so I want to do I true to the listeners.
3: No, I mean no, we no. haven't dated.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. We have not dated. But I also think, well, what, maybe this will be too leading, but, like, I, it it makes me think of something that we've talked about in By Request, which is that, like, in, a, as we've come out of By and sort of broken down certain barriers and labels and, like, categorizations, it it has made me open up, like other kinds of categorizations and what type of relationship is this is a question I think about a lot. Yeah. It's like, you know, so I, w- we haven't dated, right. But like we have an intimate relationship and we've yeah. ended up taught, like talking about certain things and exploring things and, you know, going out and to yeah. stuff that like, that like defy the conventional friendship label. And so like, Something I think about a lot lately is like where does dating start where does a hookup start or end and become dating or where does dating yeah what's the line mm-hmm. between dating and friendship and what's the line between relationship and friendship or yeah and and all of that stuff is becoming more blurry for me and more nebulous and like things that and more fluid so I'm not trying to make an implication about yeah, yeah. our relationship but I think like that stuff to me yeah. is more fluid now
3: yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, the way I see it is, like, relationships have a whole bunch of, like, check boxes that they can list, and, you know, check off, right? And, like, the ideal, perfectly monogamous, like, you know, married relationship sort of thing, like, checks maybe all of those boxes. Um, unre- that's unreasonable. I take that back. No. Um, but, but um, you know, our picture of, like, a perfect relationship that doesn't actually exist would, right? And, like, you know my relationship with my partner checks a lot of different boxes that my relationship with Rob definitely doesn't right <laughs> what? um but but that doesn't necessarily like qualify the relationships in a yeah. different way i guess Yeah, right. you know like right. yeah i guess that's what you're kind of yeah. what you're saying that it's it's Fair hard much. to yeah it's all like a gray area where like i have different relationships that serve different functions and yeah. sometimes they're equally intimate
0: and right know? yeah or it's like like it's, in a way, you know more intimate details about my sex life than some people that I have dated. Yeah. So yeah. like, so we may not have dated, but yeah. like and vice versa.
1: Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: we've answered a non-intellectual <laughs> yeah. question very intellectually.
2: I think also, like Annie said, um, no, we haven't gotten. I don't know if you've gotten that question before. We haven't gotten okay. that question. Yes. No. I okay. Have I've you been, Have you two, dated? We have not. Um, but like, I think, I think the, it would be, I wouldn't be surprised if you two got asked that question more as men because like male friendship isn't assumed to be like a thing that you could have like a deep intimate relationship with another man and have it not be sexual versus like, I think people are more surprised, like more people ask Oh my gosh, all the time people are like, me and my girlfriend, are you two sisters?
3: <laughs> yeah, we
2: just were making out in the line at this TSA. I know you don't really think we're sisters. Like, yeah. put yeah. it together. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So I think it's assumed like intimacy and, mm-hmm. and even like touching yeah. It's like, Chill
3: for women, but like yeah. obviously
2: it would mean that you guys are romantically,
3: yeah, because sexually like, involved. I mean, think about how like teenagers act, right? Like, what two men who are boys who are teenagers, like, would you ever consider intimate, right? Like, that that isn't a thing, right? right. Um, and at the very least, it's it's not something to kind of for somebody to want, like a, a teenage boy to want in their life, right? Like, it's something that they probably like stay away from actively. Um, whereas like girls like go to the bathroom together and like they they have you know. And, like, girls kissing doesn't really mean anything, right? And, yeah, so there's all kinds of reasons to, to maybe not put so much stock into what that intimacy between two women implies in the same way that it, like, implies something when two men are yeah. intimate in any way.
0: To be fair, we ha- I believe we have gotten that question on our Instagram account. Yeah. Not I mean, when so. we've asked for questions to come in, just like people write again. mm mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know. We've also been propositioned (laughs) on that account Uh a couple times or Uh just sent unsolicited photos. But luckily there's like a you can accept or not accept Instagram messages. So, you know. So that's a polite. we have not accepted all of them. The finest we can, yeah. Yeah, Yeah.
2: Yeah, I want to be perfectly clear. We're not interested in getting those types of messages. Please don't proposition (laughs) either pair here. We're
3: or do but expect a non-response
2: yeah exactly a polite
1: sign yes yeah
3: (laughs) send it to
0: my personal account (laughs) Uh,
1: i think that's all the questions i have rose do you have any last questions we skipped a few softball softball questions to like really get to the But i
2: have i do have one more question that's not it's i don't know if it's it's not hard I didn't put it on the question list, so Ooh. surprise. I know. Um, what are the plans for
3: season two? Oh. Oh. We haven't talked about it. It's a lesson, it has to
2: be hidden up,
3: okay. Well, so I think we can safely say that we are in talks of what season two will be at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah. So uh, we're uh, in the midst of kind of figuring it out, um, but if you listen to the season one finale, we kind of give a snippet of some things that we want to look at. Yeah. Um, and that's all true. There's a whole array of topics and a whole array of sorts of guests um that we would love to to have on um so you know we we hope to you know organize that season two and give a little bit more insight via social media yeah I, yeah like
0: those we want to talk more about married mm-hmm. bi people and re, like in, you know long-term relationships and stuff because that there was response to that yeah. we want to talk more about like gender fluidity too yeah because um, i'm my, my partner is yeah. non-binary and like as we I don't think it's the same thing as being bisexual but mm-hmm. I do think there's like overlap in how you view gender and how you yeah. view the world and it's about yourself or your partner yeah.
3: partner but it, there's some similarities so we want to talk about yeah. more topics well and and other genders too in general yeah. right having right. more emphasis on people who are not by men but are yeah. you know by people who are not men um, and having partners and being by you know yeah. aside from marriage maybe yeah yeah um, but yeah, I think yeah.
0: besides besides new topics and new guests, this next season will probably look pretty similar. We did ten episodes. Uh, yeah, it'll probably look something like that. And I'm I'm starting to split my time between New York and LA. Uh, you'll be here, so we'll mm-hmm. we haven't figured out a schedule yet. We're probably yeah. gonna try to record stuff and bank it and then release it all at once. So. We'll keep you buzzed on when that's happening, but once we start, it'll be pretty similar to last season. Yeah,
3: but better. Completely. Better well, are better. I think it's worth, uh, at least for myself and Rob probably too, like it's been a little bit since season one, like we are discovering new things about ourselves. Things are changing, at least for myself. Um, I have a lot of new things in my life that have brought new topics to the forefront. I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah, so I'm excited to talk about that. Mm, me too.
2: Yeah. Buyer and better, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. that's so. our tagline for season two.
3: So if you if you
2: haven't listened to Two by Guys, they're on all of the podcasting places, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like platforms. Um, yep. yeah. and you should go like, subscribe, five star reviews only. Nothing yeah. less than five stars for our friends.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we have one four star review, and it's from someone we know. Oh, it's my our. My <laughs> <wait>. <laughs> I was like. I, don't I, know I won't out this person. But
3: I was like I mean then You know wrote we, a you good did.
0: review. Just click, don't click four. Was it an accident?
3: Uh, I guess I don't know. You know what? That's I will maybe take she, that though. Yeah. That means strangers yeah. are giving us five those are the ones I really yeah. you know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> maybe she was That's an true. accident. Or maybe she yeah. thought four was good enough. I was like
3: Maybe there—that's encouragement. Come on. That's sort of some sort of encouragement for improvement. Yeah. Right I mean, you there. Need to have right. To go. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 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 Or well. some sort of resentment that they saw only five stars, and they were like, "I—I I don't think they need to yeah, think as highly of themselves." Bag. Yeah. It's just bring things into check, you know. Tough, Yeah. yeah. Um, but we're mm-hmm. also on social media, of course, too, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at To buy guys. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and maybe we'll do more of this in season yeah. two. Some more crossovers. or have, yes. have hello goodbyes. To I'm trying to come up with a pun of a pun. Then <laughs> hello. No, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I think it's great. You guys are doing this, and it's start like we both had the idea around the same time mm-hmm. and started around the same time, and like w- like there was definitely something missing in the landscape about this specific topic, and yeah. so there's a lot like. I yeah. learned from you guys, and we can learn from each other, and the mm-hmm. more, the more, the merrier.
2: Agree completely.
0: Yeah. Can yeah. so
2: we do a giant sign-off with all four of us? I don't know if you guys know our
3: sign-off. Yeah, off. I've oh, heard it. Wait, yeah.
2: We just say um, goodbye from the goodbyes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can do it. <laughs>
0: You seem ashamed of that.
1: (laughs) I was I I was editing our sign off from our previous episode just now, and it's like completely off sync. Like it's unfixable. So this is gonna be interesting. Goodbye Goodbye from from the goodbyes. I don't know. I don't know about that one.